Hey Conscious Fam, how are you? I hope you are well, because if you responded, I can't respond to you. But how crazy is this that let's let's really step back from this and, and think about what's happening. I'm sitting in my hotel room in Bali talking to myself, but yet having a conversation with all you listeners. How special is that? I can't hear you replying back, but it's me having a personal conversation with you. Whether you're in your car, that's where I listen to most of my podcasts. Whether you're on a walk, maybe you're walking the dog. Maybe you're in the gym, if you are, make sure you're pushing hard. (laughs) Or maybe you're, you're doing housework. I know I cook while listening to podcasts as well. So wherever you are, I want to say thank you so much for giving me your attention. Even if you're doing something else and it's only limited attention, thank you. I really, really appreciate you being interested in this podcast, in this conversation, and in this movement, this conscious collective movement that we have created. It is a special time for me because I'm looking back over the past 14 months And I'm just in a massive state of gratitude. Like, I had no plans for it to get to where it is right now. I started back in January 2018. And the reason why I put this podcast together was that I knew that these people that I were friends with, these people that I had access to, and these people that I had networked with and built a connection with, had an amazing story to share with experiences, with skills, with wisdom that could raise the consciousness of everyone that listens or everyone that hears what they have to say. And for me, I was taking in all this information and wisdom, but none of my friends were getting it. No one else in the community was getting access to these people, all this wisdom. So I was like, well, hang on, why don't I be the connector between the two. Why don't I interview these people and then share that globally with the world on an online platform like a podcast? And it really aligned with me and what I wanted to do and the service that I wanted to give back to the world, which is expanding consciousness. And this is the way that I seen as a great step to do that, to use these connections and contacts to then provide wisdom to the world. Make wisdom go global, conscious wisdom. So for me, I didn't have plans of it getting to where it is today. I didn't have like a number set in my mind of how many downloads I wanted. I didn't have an expectation. I didn't look at it and go, this is going to turn into a video series on YouTube. This is going to turn into a company. This is going to turn into retreats. This is going to turn into events. This is going to turn into, I didn't think this was going to turn into me having multiple speaking opportunities um, this year to speak on stages, to speak at events, to speak at retreats. And like I said, I'm just in so much gratitude for where it is today and for you guys for supporting me along this journey and being a part of this as a conscious collective. So whether you are just a listener, like thank you so much. I love that you're sharing this. I love that you're telling your friends. I love that you're taking the time to listen to this stuff. If you're in the group and you're getting amongst it, thank you so much. Like, If you're not in the group, go to Facebook and type in The Conscious Collective and we'll add you into that. There's so It's like a community 
of conscious people that just want to support, love, and share with each other. And then the people that have committed to coming on our retreats. That means so much to me to create a space with conscious leaders to all come together and learn and grow together. How special is that? And it's only getting bigger, better, and we're transcending even further and expanding consciousness so much around the world. So thank you so much. There's only more coming and I'm so excited for the interviews coming up, for the events coming up, and for the retreats that are coming up. I love you guys so much and I can't wait to share this journey with you guys. Welcome to The Conscious Pod. My name is Carlos Cerullo and this is your place to cultivate wisdom, awareness, life insights to raise your being and become more conscious in your daily life. This is a special episode of the podcast. This is actually a live recording from the Authentic You Retreat held in Sydney. You will hear me speaking about my life and my journey, my identity battles, my challenges, my mindset, expressing deep gratitude and the tools and processes I use to consciously craft my dream life. There is the five steps. I share them openly for everyone. The five steps to creating your conscious life. It was an honor to be at this event and to speak at this event and to take people through the profound gratitude process that changed my life. And equally an honor to share that with you guys on here. I really, really enjoyed this and I hope you do too. Before we jump into this amazing episode, I want to share something really exciting with you guys. We, as the Conscious Collective, are now running Conscious Retreats. Poo! This is going to be amazing. Our next one coming up is in the sacred space, beautiful location of Ubud, Bali. It is a chakra connection retreat, transcending through your chakras, thought-provoking, mind-expanding retreat, focusing on your mind, your body, and your spirit. Like we're staying in these luxury jungle suites. We're going to be doing yoga, meditation, chakra activation, cacao ceremonies, sound healing, and so, so, so much more. I am so honored to be hosting and facilitating this event alongside the amazing Gregoria Kritzatelis, Adriana Andalkovich, and Nathan Minikozzi. This is going to be epic. We only have 20 spots available for this retreat. We do want to keep it really, really intimate so that we can get the most out of this retreat. It is going to transcend your conscious being onto that next level. If you have been waiting for an event like this, now is the time. Like I said, in Ubud, Bali, amazing location, a good reason to get away for a week and spend it with us and grow and learn together. It's the 22nd to the 29th of May, 2019. All the links and everything will be in the show notes, but if you do want to check it out, jump on any of our social platforms. Mine, it's in the link there. In, in my bio, but it's also in the Conscious Collective Facebook page. So if you go onto that, all the links will be there. Tickets will sell out. 
like I said, it's a very limited space of only 20 people and the tickets are selling. So if you want to be at this and it aligns with you and it's the right time for you and you can manifest this all together, then make sure you book your spot and I cannot wait to share this experience with everyone. Alright, so because everyone's got a nice little earring in, Neil and uh, Amanda, I was like, I want to wear a feather as well. <laughs> but really for me, like coming into, coming into this... They're going to be able to see it. They won't. Um, coming into this, it was like, who do I... I'll get into the other stuff later, but who do I need to be to show up here for you guys, but also for me? Like, what do I have to be to be a speaker to facilitate an event? And it even happened um, last night when I was talking to Amanda when I got here, and I was like, should I wear this shirt or should I be wearing this? Like, should it be button-up or should I wear a singlet? And she's like, why don't you just do whatever feels comfortable to you? And I'm like, okay, Cool. What does a conscious human look like? And it's like, all right, well, a conscious human, there's other ways that could be dressed, but wearing a bandana, living in a van, which I do, but that's not part of it. That's just by chance. But like sitting here, meditating, I can't cross my legs, so I'm not going to try. Um, wearing a bandana, having a feather in my hair, like, is that consciousness? And it's like, no, consciousness is just an awareness. So by you putting an identity on consciousness, you're automatically putting pressure on yourself to fit into an identity that probably doesn't align with you. So no, I'm not going to wear this for the whole thing. I'm not even going to wear my shirt. Because this, this is what's comfortable to me. Like I like, I used to straighten my hair every morning because I didn't like my curls. And now I'm like, you know what, I just embrace it. Like, why not? Like, is someone going to judge me because I don't straighten my hair? Um, and I know these guys have known me for a while. And like when I just wore it uh, out at the, at the event we went to, they're like, oh, it looks good. And I'm like, thanks. It takes me... No time at all to do. I just wake up and it's done instead of spending 10 minutes straightening it. But for me, a lot of my journey was trying to fit into an identity of who I thought I needed to be. And that does come back to a lot of the stuff that uh, Elisa was talking about through who was I trying to please? And that was the person that I was trying to... The identity that they thought I needed to be. So I was trying to fit that mould. And very unconsciously, moving down a path of life... Um, that fortunately pivoted and changed very early on in my life. So for me, it was trying to be an entrepreneur, trying to be a, a pro athlete and going down that path and it just wasn't aligning, like things weren't happening. It was like, why is this not happening? And it's not happening because it just wasn't what I wanted. It's what I thought I wanted. It was what I thought my, my dad wanted me to do, what my mum wanted me to do. And if I didn't do it, people wouldn't like me. I wouldn't have the love or connection. I would, um, I wouldn't be, that was my identity, to be that certain person. So if I go back even further um, and start with everything, because on all of our journeys, we've got so many pivoting moments, so many failures, so many mistakes, so many good times, bad times, all of that. We've all got it. And I think there's a few that have played key roles in my life to getting to where I am now, to be in a state where I feel my mo I've been my most authentic self recently and to be doing something that I really, really love, which is I think we all kind of aspire to do that within our own lives and to be the authentic person we want to be. So I started, started life in, in a small country town in Mildura um, on a vineyard, very hardworking parents, like very normal. There was, there was no, nothing wrong with the family, as in like there was no troubles. There was, it was, had all the support I needed in the world and went through school and I found a love for soccer. And that's all I did. I was kicking everything around the house, breaking stuff, um, you know, <laughs> annoying mum with that. And 
uh, kicking stuff at my sister, at my parents all the time. At school, I'd try and aim at people and try and hit them. Very conscious now, I wouldn't do that now, but it was, it was good target practice. Um, I was the free kick taker. So anyway, I went through school, loved it, but loved just being around people. Um, having friends, going on soccer trips, going on school camps. That'll play a part later on in the story. So being around people, having that community, that tribe. Going through high school, I like, like right now, this situation, so to paint a picture for people listening on the podcast, I'm sitting in a room in an amazing house, a sacred space with eight women. Um, I'm the only male, and, you know, this is every guy's dream. Right? It's, it's great. <laughs> so, like, th- this was always, like, the situations I was getting myself into. I was always more connected to my feminine side growing up. So, when there was, at school, there was a lot of groups, and that happens. I didn't like hanging around the guys, because like, it was always talking about stuff that just didn't relate to me, I didn't really like. So, in, in my head, I... Not consciously knew, but there was probably a, a lower way of thinking about it that I thought I was not masculine. I thought I was one of the girls. Not that I, yeah, I was straightening my hair, so that kind of goes in with it. But like, um, I just got, a, got, got along with women so much better. I liked that emotional talk, that deep conversation, that maturity that women have that men don't have in high school um, and growing up through those years. So, Again, loving this situation. That's why when Amanda was like, there's no guys except for you, I'm like, that's cool. Like, I'm comfortable with this. I love this. Um, and I love being open and vulnerable, and I found that women were more inclined to do that rather than men. They would hold a mask, an identity of who they needed to be to be a man. So grew up in that, but then at 16, um, so 13 to 16, I represented my state, represented my country, Australia, and um, played in Singapore, and I got offered to move by myself to Melbourne. So my parents have a vineyard in Mordura. They weren't able to move. It was kind of, you have to be on that every single day type thing. So they moved me down, and at 16, I had to grow up real quick, just mature, had to pay rent, had to work, had to go to school, and kind of had to fend for myself, which was great. It was a great learning lesson for me. Um, And I did have quite good self-awareness back then, because my mum was just amazing and she always was like, don't hang around these sorts of people. So I didn't get into any, anything kind of bad. So I was in a good environment. <laughs> and I went to a school that was just all guys. So straight away I was like, this is not fun. Like, I don't like this. It was always about who was going to the gym, how much chicken were you eating, rice, broccoli. Um, it, it was just, it just wasn't comfortable for me. Uh, I had one best friend that was very nice. I guess in his feminine but very in touch with himself that I connected with straight away. And we've been best friends ever since. But that environment was like, okay, I see what, what males are doing to try and keep their, I guess, identity in the world. And it was like, I don't agree with this. Like, I think we can be more gentle. We can be more nice. We don't have to um, keep a mask of that masculinity over us in order to be someone or to be a soccer player at that time. So from 16 to 19... Um, a lot of things happened. So I had about 30 different, 20 then, I'm about at 30 different jobs now. So 20 different jobs, not because I didn't, got fired, I just liked trying different things and meeting new people. And I just found interest in everything. So I was always making new friends, always making new connections. Remember that? That'll come in later on to do with the tribe as well. So was doing that, I was in a long-term relationship, puppy love at that stage, and um, <laughs> from 16 to 19, and... 
at 19 I got in a car accident and I got hit from behind and it crushed the boot up to my seat. So physically I wasn't hurt. Like I, I wasn't, didn't have to go to hospital or anything. But I think moments like that kind of wake you up and you go, oh, what the fuck am I doing with my life type thing. I'm working a cool job. I was driving cars at the time through auctions, which was pretty nice. But it wasn't stuff I loved doing. I was playing for an average team in Melbourne, a uh, soccer team. And my relationship was, was not a relationship. It, was, it sounded nice, but it wasn't. We basically weren't together. We were six hours away and it just, yeah, wasn't great at that time. But I was like, if we get engaged at 19, maybe it'll go good. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll just happen. It'll work out. Maybe that's what I need to do. My sister got married at 19. She's got four kids under seven. So like, it was like an early thing to just ha- like do that in Mordura. So there was that pressure from family to... You're 19. You're not. You don't have a like. You're not engaged. You're not married. Yet. Like, what are you doing? So there's that family pressure of like the person I needed to be, that identity. Um, and then at that time, so I had that, and then I started seeing a sports psychologist, and that was the first time I opened up any kind of conversation around goals, what I wanted to be doing, what life I wanted to live. Um, and from there, kind of, I figured out what did I really want to be doing, and what did I love doing. She. She touched on things. She didn't go too deep like we're doing today. Um, but she touched on certain things. And I was like, I really want to go overseas and play soccer. Because if I don't do it, I'll hate myself if I don't. Like, I, at least I can say I've, I've tried it type thing. And she was like, okay, uh, this is what you need to do. This, 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 and then go overseas. And this, this, this was quit your job, leave your relationship, um, use all the money that you had to go overseas. And me being 19 and in that state, I was like... Yeah, I'll do that, and did all those things. Got to um, a month before going away, went to get on that, uh, to book the flight, had a massive anxiety attack. Was in the shopping centre, like, like, having a heart attack type thing, first one I've ever had. And went to the hospital, and they're just like, just sit down for, for a minute. And I'm like, I'm, I'm it's chest pain, like, help me. And they're like, just wait your turn, there's other people that need us right now. And I sat there and I watched the whole Australian Open final of Federer and uh, Novak Djokovic. It was like four hours. And then it was still there and I'm like, I'm going home. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and wait for this. Went home and like kind of started just (coughs) reassessing everything. And I'm like, why did this happen? And it was because something was about to change, like something massive in my life. As soon as I booked it, all the weight went off my shoulders because then I left the job, left the relationship because I had a date to leave. And I went. And in the first three weeks, everything went wrong you could possibly think of, of being over there. Uh, every trial and training that I went to, I played shit. I just couldn't adapt to their, their game. Uh, I went to Holland. Sorry, I didn't even say where I went. I went to the Netherlands. And uh, my agent was, he was pretty optimistic. He was like, yeah, we'll, we'll make a team. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't even matter if you don't even train. We'll get you in a team. And it got to maybe, yeah, the three weeks of being there. And I just, probably because of the big change, it just, everything just went out the door. And I just, I couldn't even like kick the ball properly type thing. And I had a a meeting with my agent and one of the coaches. And the coach said, we wouldn't take you. Like, we're not going to take you. And no one will at this level. And I was like, okay, that's all right to hear. Like, I can can move on from that. And then my agent was like, yeah, so I'm I'm dropping you as 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 an agent, like as a player. And you should probably go home and do something else. Like, don't play soccer. You're not, you're not cut out for it, uh, especially here. And for me, like, soccer was... I love it. It's my passion. I've done it since I was six years old. I was good at it. Everyone knew... I had an afro back then, so it was like, Carlo the afro, the soccer player type thing. And 
that was my identity and I wanted to keep that so badly and being told that I wasn't good enough to be there crushed me. I was crying, trying to ring my ex-girlfriend and that didn't work. Um, <laughs> and I didn't have anyone. I was over- overseas. Luckily, they spoke English sometimes when they wanted to, but I had no one. So I was in a different country, spent all my money, was getting ripped off by the guy that I was living with and just got dropped by the coaches and the agents. And I was like, I spent a good two weeks of just not knowing what to do and then going, is this something I really want to do? And something in my head was going, you still need to do this. You need to make a team and keep playing here. And I did. It wasn't at the level that I wanted to be at, but I spent one year there, went up to another level, and it was like it was the most amazing experience I ever, ever had. But I seen my best friends that I live with playing what I thought I wanted, and I went, no, nah, it's not for me. It's, I don't want that lifestyle. Um, I, I like this sport or this thing that I've done for 15 years, but I don't love it to do it for the rest of my life. And that for me was where the identity crisis came up again, where it was like, if I quit, who am I going to be? Like, who am I? Who is Carlo if I don't play soccer? Because I was known as Carlo, the soccer player. And spent, I came back home, kept playing, because I was like, no, no, maybe it's not that. Maybe I I can keep playing and do other stuff on the side. But every time I played, every time I trained, I was like, I just hate this. I don't like being here. I love the sport and I love the camaraderie, but I don't love pursuing that dream on a, on a high level of playing soccer. And it made me think, it made me then question myself of what do I want to do? And, you know, that was a waste of time going overseas. Look what I lost. I lost all these things before I left and now I'm here and I don't even play soccer anymore. Like, I just fucked up the past four years of my life. Like, what am I going to do now? And I went to an event and I met this one guy that he just had an energy about him. He was so balanced, masculine and feminine and he had an energy where you shook his hand and he looked into your eye and he was like, what's your name? What do you do? And I was like, I want to be this guy. Like, I want, I want to, this is, this is like the identity that I want. And he was massive, well, not massive, but he was built, good looking. And I'm like, that's, like, I want to have that energy. Anyway, he wasn't the main speaker on the event. He was like the guy taking care of the computers and cameras and stuff like that. And I went and spoke to him in the break because no one was speaking to him. They were speaking to everyone else. And we connected straight away and he had a similar sort of career in soccer, tried to make it, didn't go overseas, had a business, had a multi-million dollar business, went overseas for a week, I think he went to Mexico and came back to find out that he lost that, his business partner took it from him basically, and he had nothing. So he went on an abusive sort of drug, alcohol type thing and he was like, what got me out of it was gratitude. And I know Tenille touched on it, which was amazing to hear, and he took me through a, 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 my first mastermind of 30 days of practicing gratitude every day. And from that, I was able to look back on all those mistakes, um, the pivot moments, the failures, and go, okay, like I'm, I'm, how can I be grateful for these things? How can I be grateful that I don't have the relationship that I thought I wanted or I don't have the career that I thought I wanted? Why am I great? How am I grateful that I lost the career that I thought I wanted? Why am I, how can I be grateful for losing my identity? like being lost in life. And through that process of teaching the deep gratitude, I was able to come out of that and look at every situation in my life and go, okay, I'm, like, I, can, I can find gratitude in every single moment for every single thing, whether it's people, whether it's events, whether it's that pillow, that water bottle, this mat, the floor or the house. You can find gratitude in everything if you look for it and you know how to express it on a deep level. 
So I learned that and then I went into many different careers of personal development, which was network marketing, um, trying to, and then I did well, but also sabotaged myself as uh, Elisa was talking about. She's my coach. She knows everything about all this. So she's sitting there smiling going, hmm, cool. I heard all this. Um, and then, so I thought it was that. And then I took on that identity again of trying to be an entrepreneur. I had to have the watches. I had to have the car. I had to have the girls. I had to have the money. And that's who I was looking up to. But it wasn't aligning with me. I was like, this isn't, I, like, I like it. But that's similar to school. I don't like what they're doing. I like being around the team of people. and I love business. So I was like, well, how can I do this a different way? So I started my own business and had no structure, thought I could do it all myself, lost a lot of money. That went to, went to nothing. Then it got to start of last year. And I was watching a webinar with Joel Brown. He was talking about his experience with Jordan Belford, the Wolf of Wall Street. And he was like, it was these three questions that changed everything for him. And it was, what am I good at? What do I love? And how can I serve the world doing that? Whether it's monetary or not, you can make it monetary. But those are the things where you find, I guess, something that can be of purpose to you and something that you really love doing and will fulfill you every single day. And I asked myself that and I went, okay... What do I love? I love connecting with people. As I said previously, I love connecting with people. I love being around a tribe of people that think the same way, hence why I hung out with girls. Um, But it was more growth mindset. Personal development. I loved being around network marketing because I loved the growth side of it. Listen to Tony Robbins. Listen to this. Listen to that. Read this. Go to these seminars. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And... Then it was like, okay, what am I good at? I, was, I found in all my careers and even through my jobs, was, I was good at communicating with people, like having a conversation and keeping a conversation. It wasn't just, hi, bye, see you later. It was, if I was serving coffee, it was, hey, how's your day going? Yeah, awesome, cool, yeah, coffee. How long have you been here? Where are you from? How long have you lived there? All that type of stuff. And I loved that aspect of it. And I loved finding out about people's lives, what they do, why they do it. Then with that, I was like, okay, I can build relationships with people from sitting down with them for one hour. I can become almost best friends with them because I have, kind of, I guess from listening to a lot of people, learnt the questions to ask to find out what I need to know to figure out if I want to talk to them anymore or not after an hour. <laughs> so I knew how to navigate through people to find the ones that stuck, that I wanted to be around, to find my tribe type thing. So now it's about three questions and I can, whether it's a date or talking to someone that I meet for the first time, it's like, those three questions, if I get the answer, if the answers are a certain way, it's like, this isn't going to last more than, yeah, this, this conversation. But it's good because I keep the right people around me and you weed out those people. Um, and then how was I going to serve the world by those two things? How was I going to use those two things to then serve the world? And I was like, well, maybe I can interview people that inspire me, that have great stories and share that with the world on a podcast. And I started my podcast with this exact setup. I'd set up at cafes. I'd reach out to people because I thought it's, it's a win-win for everyone. I have a community already. And if people come into that community, they're getting exposure. I get to learn from anyone I want. And with Elisa, it started in Sydney. Uh, it was about this time last year. Yeah. Somewhere around that, around March, April. And... I'd seen her on Instagram and it's like, I was inspired by her stuff. I was like, man, these quotes, I love these. I post a lot of quotes myself. Stealing heaps, loving it. We didn't actually chat, did we? No. But I was like, this is the situation of having a podcast. I could reach out and a podcast that was, it's called The Conscious Podcast. 
And the certain questions in there are the same for every guest, but it's just bringing out about their story, what's the worst thing that's happened to them and how's that the best thing that's ever happened to them? What uh, advice would you give your 16-year-old self? What's the best advice you've ever been given to share their story with everyone that listens? That was, it was a simple podcast that wasn't talking about business, mindset, health. It was just that person and whatever they wanted to share. And like, like with Elisa, I didn't actually know her. I just reached out and I was like, hey, I'm in Sydney for the next two days. Do you want to be on a podcast? And she's like, yes. Went into that podcast and again, how I was like, I can have a conversation and become really good friends with someone in the space of an hour. A podcast is the fastest way to do that. Because I found out so much about her. She didn't even know anything about me, but I knew everything about her. <laughs> what she shared before, I knew that in an hour. And then from what I heard, I was like, man, I need to like... Can I have a coaching call? And we did. <laughs> and then I signed up and we did coaching together. Like she was my coach for a fair bit. And I was like, this is awesome. Like I can do this with literally anyone I want. And now it's getting to the stage where I can reach out to um, people that I thought I could never contact. Anyway, that's a different story. But it was bringing that podcast to the world because it was educating people and also educating myself. But then I got to the stage where it had been a year and I went, okay, how can I up-level this to the next level and reward that community of listeners and also these people? I've met these awesome people that I'm now friends with. How can I bring them together and create magic? So I had a retreat and that was only last month at the start. And from that retreat, there we created the company, The Conscious Collective. So now we run Podcast, uh, we have the podcast, we have a magazine, we run retreats, events, workshops um, in Australia, also internationally. Bali's coming up in May and Costa Rica in November. And then on top of that, everyone that was there had their gift, right? Like, like everyone today, the speakers, they've all got their gift in a certain area. We've all got a gift in a certain area that we could share on. And I'm like, what if we bring everyone together just like this? Something magic's going to happen. Like the, the consciousness of the vibration of the room is just going to lift. Um, a rising tide raises all ships. Like even if you feel like you're not, I guess, at a, at a level of consciousness of everyone else, which is an illusion, but we all raise each other's vibration and consciousness through that. So if you bring those people together, good things are going to happen. So we did that and it was amazing. Businesses came out of it. We launched the company and now I'm, I'm doing that uh, along with other things as well that I really love and I can see how by asking myself those important questions... Um, and then coming out of it and going, what's, what's the identity I wanted to have? Because that created the identity of who do I want to be? And I want to be someone that's always growing. I want to be someone that's nice. I want to be someone that's balanced, masculine and feminine, but also comfortable in who I am. And I think that goes back into touching on what Tanil was talking about with the self-love. Being the authentic you is having that self-love. And now it's me. I'm sitting in a singlet at a retreat talking to women um, about the things I love. And I'm like, that's, that's cool. Like, I'm so grateful I get to be in this room with you guys and doing this because, yeah, I love it. And, and it's amazing for me. So what I teach people now and what I'm about to run a, a program on is crafting your conscious life because I believe consciousness is, self, is awareness. And it's the self-awareness of inside, so your thoughts, your beliefs, your feelings, um, your blocks that are inside, and a lot of that, a lot of my program comes from Elisa, <laughs> from what she was talking about before, um, the journaling, all of that. Um, it's changed my life so much. Like Elisa was a pivotal point for me to then be able to have the tools and techniques to be where I am now, um, especially the journaling. Like, please do that every day, um, and then from that. 
the inside, the inner awareness, there's also the outside awareness, which is what's happening around us because we can't control that to a point, to an extent, but we can control how we react, react to that. And that's our inner self-awareness. But what we do has a ripple effect on everything around us. So it's being conscious of externally, what are we doing? How are we showing up? How are we talking to people? Our language? Um, what are we doing in terms of our career, our job? And how is that in, impacting the people around us? So with that consciousness, I was like, well, how, how can you... And after interviewing all these people, I get all the secrets for free. I don't have to pay them. It's just getting free secrets everywhere. And that's another... That's why I did it as well. Um, you, I've figured out like a five... Kind of the five steps to crafting your conscious lifestyle. And I say craft because it's a skill and you can master skills. It's not just, I'm born with consciousness. We're all consciousness and like having these skills and tips every single day is just a matter of learning that skill. Like you've learned today, the sound healing, the breath work. You can learn that and do it yourself. I do it in the shower every morning. Um, the journaling, I do it almost every morning. I wish I said every morning. But every morning after I meditate. And then the gratitude stuff that Tanil was saying, that's something that's part of my daily routine. So what, can, what are these five things you can kind of master to then craft your conscious life every single day? Because I believe in tangible tips that you can take into your life no matter what stage you're at, what situation you're in, and apply them. It's not like go quit your job and sail the world. If it's what you want to do, do it. But it's, that's, not, that's very specific to one person. Um, it's to one person it might be buy a thousand puppies I don't know but like it's going to be different for everyone so it's like what yeah what what are these what are so some people don't like the beach in the morning some people don't like yoga that's okay so what are these tips that you can all that everyone can learn and master craft master to then craft our conscious lifestyle so number one is gratitude um, which I'm going to touch on a little bit more because I've got a different technique to Tanil and I think they all work together. Number two is meditation, and uh, we'll have a great conversation about this before. Um, there's so many out there, but it, it, yeah, I'll touch on it more, but the benefits of that is just profound and has been in my life. Three is journaling. Elisa touched on that. Four is... Do I need to slow down? We're good. All right, four is a vision quest. So for me... The vision quest that helped me was asking myself those questions because it's really getting into or tapping into, you know, finding out, going within, what are you good at, what do you love, and how you're going to serve the world, doing that. But also other questions that uh, Amanda was asking this morning of how do I feel and how do I want to feel? What does the highest version of me right now, what are they doing? What are they feeling? Um, what are they experiencing? And then you can start... Um, with that, you can start making your six, 12-month goals. And you can say how I'm going to feel, what I'm going to have, what I'm going to attract. That goes into the manifestation that Elisa was talking about. Because then you can then do those um, embodying techniques to then... You know what they are. You've got them written down. Then you just bring yourself into that vibration. And then it, you attract that stuff into your life. And number five is having a morning routine that balances the masculine and feminine. So one that includes the mind... Um, that includes movement and also includes manifestation. So all of these are part of my morning routine, but I think that one hour out of your 24 hours that you've got can be so crucial 
in developing the state or developing the person you want to be. And you can work on it every single day. Some days, for me, it's 15 minutes. Some days, it's an hour. Um, I know life gets crazy. But if you work on these things, you then craft your conscious life. It's not about um, having it perfect, but it's doing it every day and having that intention to keep mastering that craft. So with gratitude, I want everyone to write down... What have we got for time? Um, usually I do a hundred things, but I'm not going to do that. I'll say, I'll just go 10 people you're grateful for in your life. Hey Conscious Fam, just interrupting for one moment to share with you something I'm really excited with, a brand partnership with a conscious company doing amazing things in the world. Did you know that in 2018, over 100,000 Australians experienced homelessness on any given night? With over 15,000, of that number being Australian children under 12 years old. How astounding are those numbers? That's why I've partnered with Eva Mattress to bring all the benefits of their amazing mattress in a box to everyone. We're talking unparalleled support, a huge 120-night trial period with free delivery and returns, and all the sleep tech you'd find in a premium retail mattress for a fraction of the price. Through their 1 in 10 program, in which one mattress is donated for every 10 sold, we've partnered up together to get six mattresses out to Mission Australia Crisis Centres to improve the lives of those experiencing homelessness in New South Wales, in our backyard. How amazing is that? I got my mattress a couple of weeks ago, and man, it is so comfy. I live in a van, so... Before, I had like this really thin mattress that was really not doing anything good for my back, hence why I had so many back problems. And as soon as I put it in, it's just been a comfortable night sleep. You really notice a difference when you are sleeping on a quality, comfortable mattress. I love that it comes in a box, gets delivered to you, it's got wheels on the box, you can wheel it around, and then all you have to do is kind of take it out, cut it open, cut the plastic off, and it kind of pops open and then I just put it in the van. How cool is that? Order online, and it gets sent directly to you. Don't even have to go window shopping. How cool. And it's super comfy as well. So the reason why we chose Mission Australia to donate these six mattresses to is because I did some research on a few different charities, and Mission Australia were doing so much good work around multiple different problems uh, in society. Drug and alcohol abuse, homelessness, etc., etc., and we seen that there was a crisis and they needed six beds. To us, that just made sense. We need to get these mattresses to these people who are probably going to be sleeping on the floor. And what an amazing feeling that is to be able to offer that to these people. Now, if you wanted to get your own, they have given me a special discount code. How cool is that? So if you go to their website, eva mattress.com.au and use the code Carlo Loves Eva, you'll get $125 off your first order. Now, this is only for five people. So if you're looking for a mattress that gives back to the community, get onto the website, check out Eva and help support those who need support most. Yep. So now do 10 things that 
10 feel uh, yeah 10 moments in your life that's happened in whatever time frame that you're grateful for can just say uh, <coughs> graduating or my job or something like that just 10 moments in your life you're grateful for <coughs> If you haven't finished that, all good. We'll go on to the next one. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you actually get 10, but it's just 10's a good number. Um, the next one is 10 items or products in your life. So phone, laptop, pen, makeup. That you're grateful for. That you're grateful for. Just 10 items, physical items. <laughs> K-A. You set up your Nespa, yeah? Tell you what, when there's a, a Nespa uh, plumber, yeah. <laughs> I'm not touching your rental property. It's like water. Yeah. Yep. Any physical product item. So you just wrote 30 things, turn to the person next to you, give them a high five and say, good job. <laughs> <laughs> so... For me, it started out with writing 20 things, um, and then it got to 50, then it got to 100 every single day, different things. And it, once you keep going, you start being more creative with it, and you start letting go of, oh, it has to be the things that mean the most to me. And it's like, but you can be grateful for anything, and why aren't you grateful for everything? I'm grateful for this headset, I'm grateful for the phone, I'm grateful for the mat, I'm grateful for the floor, I'm grateful for the table, not the water bottle, but the water in it. Um, I'm grateful for the stand, I'm grateful for my phone, I'm grateful for the couch. Then you can start going deeper with it. So being in that attitude of gratitude for everything, then you can find things to be grateful for in those things. Who wants to learn how to take it deeper than just the surface of I'm grateful for this? Yep. That's an exciting yes, I love that. <laughs> you wait till the cacao, you're going to be... Heart open. This is this is this is light. <laughs> so for me, it was, and what I learned from this this guy in my life, my gratitude guru, was we would practice three things or, or voice message each other three things daily we're grateful for. But it had to go from a had to come from a sincere place. So it had to come from I'm sincerely grateful for this thing, whatever it may be. And how does that affect me? on an internal level, on an external level, how does that affect the people around me, that I'm grateful for this thing? And then how does that affect the world and the community, zooming out even further? So, for example, let's take that water bottle because I said no to it. I am sincerely grateful for that water bottle because, and so how it affects me, is because it's a product that provides an essential liquid in my life that I can drink and nourish my body. It may be plastic, that's why I said no. <laughs> but um, how else does that affect me? Well, when it, it nourishes me, I feel good. Like when I've got water that's provided, no, I'm going to change it, I'm going to use this because I just don't feel right talking about plastic. So this water bottle, and I have an even bigger story for this one. So great for this water bottle because it, it, provi- it holds liquid, any liquid I choose to put in it. This one has water in it, good quality water, that I can drink and nourish my body. Nourish myself so I can be the best version of me. And if I didn't have this, I'd probably be dehydrated, probably dead, um, and I wouldn't be the best version I could be. I couldn't show up right now. Um, how it also affects me is this is my friend's company and brand and bottle. So me supporting him is supporting his life and the people in his life by giving him an income. 
Um, and then how does that affect the people around me that I'm grateful in that way that it nourishes me, in that it provides, um, sorry, it provides nourishment to me that I can always have water accessible anywhere. If I try to put water in my hand, I can't carry it. I'm just going to fall out onto the ground. So it affects the people around me because they know that I can be hydrated wherever I go because I can fill up with my water bottle any liquid I wish to put in there. And by doing that, as I said in the first part, I can be the best person I can be while I'm nourished and hydrated to be able to live life. Now, zoom out even further. So that's the people around you in the community. Zoom out to the world. How does me being grateful for this bottle and all the things, how it affects me and the people around me, how does that benefit the planet? Well, it benefits the planet because if I'm nourished and I have items such as a, um, I think this is copper, some metal um, container that holds clean water I can always be nourished therefore if and and this is also um, I guess it falls into voting with your dollar on reusing stuff having a bottle that's reusable that this will last forever um, and I'll always keep in my life I'm not going through plastics every single day which is going to impact the planet in a bad way so by doing that I also realise that people don't have containers to hold clean water and some people don't even have clean water in their life so i'm grateful that i have the um this product in my life to be able to hold water to take water wherever i go to keep nourished to then thrive in life so you see how you can take anything from a water bottle. like i don't think anyone thought of a water bottle for for one of their things but how something just like this can impact the world and that's that external external awareness of how it ripple effects onto everyone else. Your choices affect everything around you and what you do, um, which then ties back into the consciousness of crafting your conscious life. If you're, be, you're working on yourself, and I think it was Tennille. I think everyone's touched on it. It was Amanda, actually, that said, um, we're, we're always working on our, our bodies, we're working on our businesses, we're working on all these sorts of things, but we... we like tend to not work on ourselves. So if we work on crafting and mastering a conscious life where we're grateful, where we journal, where we um, have a morning, uh, like meditate, we're then becoming more conscious humans to then affect the people around us, whether that's kids, partners, family, the people we come in contact with. And um, I want, I'm not going to ask for three things, but I'm going to ask everyone to choose one thing to then write how it affects you, how it affects the people around you, and how that affects the planet, that you're grateful for that. It doesn't have to be in-depth as mine. I gave as many examples as I could to give you more ideas, but how it affects you, the people around you, and the planet. And you can choose anything, whether it's a person, um, but you've got to go very specific. I didn't just say the water bottle. I said the water bottle because it holds water. It can be anything, but make it really specific. So if it's a person, like for instance, I say, I'm really grateful for my mum. And that's not a bad thing. (laughs) Like it's good to be that broad, but it's like I'm grateful for the hug I shared with my mum before I left because it showed me, I was able to share love with my mother. And then how that affects me, how that affects the people around me, and how that affects the planet. How would that affect the planet? The planet? So... That moment, so that, that hug that I shared with my mum, how it affects me is that that's a way of showing love in our family. It wasn't that we said love, I love you, it's that we hug. And 
to be able to hug her after the week that we've had two deaths in our family and to be able to hug her and show that I love her before embarking on another journey for another 30 days or 15, whatever it is, it was a special moment that I'm able to share with her to know that we're both connected and that we both love each other a lot. How that affects the people around me, that I can share that love with my mum, is that I'm going to be happier. I'm not going to be worried about my mum not loving me. Um, by my mum like, sharing love with the people in my life and feeling that love, I'm able to then love other people around me even more because I love myself, I love the people around me and I'm feeling it as well as giving it. And how that affects the planet is that if everyone had that relationship, I know it's not going to be that way, but if everyone loved the people around them more, even just by giving a hug, like that would heal so many people and that would ripple on that everyone would be hugging each other more, loving each other more and a happier, better world. So you've got a bit of time to think about um, your specific thing. Am I running over, Amanda? We've got this, this two minutes. And if you're stuck, that's okay. You can ask me. I tend to rant. That's why we're going over time. <laughs> under time. Under? How long have I got till? Everyone is writing. Yes. When you do gratitude, like, do you have to write it? When I express like, it? Is it as powerful if you just yeah. think that? I think there's, right. an, there's an art in writing, but, but, big but. Um, I do that, but once you, so going through this crafting and mastering, all these things that everyone's been talking about today, you can do it in any situation. So I think meditation is good when you're at home, you've got your candles, your sage, your bandana, your feather, all that sort of stuff. But that's not when it's most important. It's most important when you're in a situation where your colleagues are just annoying you. How can you find a state of peace and a meditation state in that moment when it's a real-world situation? Because you're not always going to be sitting in your bed with all your candles and stuff set up. That's like your morning sort of thing. So with gratitude now, something will happen and I'll just go, hmm, how can I be grateful for this? So it's flipping my perspective from the situation of me not making, uh, being dropped by my agent. At the time, it was shit, and I hated it. And I've, I've like this. I'm not. I'm, a, I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist as well. It wasn't a good situation, but what did I learn from that? Why am I grateful for that? Why am I grateful that that happened in my life? And how does that affect me, the people around me, and the world that I had that experience? So now it's it's just in my head all the time. So writing it is really good um, I would we wrote 30 things in a space of like 10 minutes that's a good start if you write 20 things a day that you're grateful for you're going to have a really good attitude for the day so it's writing it is very important and that's the most powerful but then by doing that you then ingrain it into your head that you just always have it and that's why a lot of things don't affect me like bad things will happen and it's like why am I grateful that this is happening Again, it's, it's accepting it, but it's not going, everything's great. It's, no, this happened and that's important, but what can I gain from it? Because that's a better alternative than dwelling in why it was shit. And you find the gratitude and then you're, you just 
lift, your state lifts. That answer it. <laughs> so writing it's important, but then you'll be able to do it in just your head. So when something happens, like, uh, what do you do for work? Yeah, if a customer comes in and is just rude and you're like, oh, fuck, I hate that person. Like, I hope I don't get any more people like that. But it's like, I'm grateful that person came in because it's it reminds me the strength of character. Yeah, it's, I, I'm grateful that they came in now and taught me that because I know I'll never be, I'll appreciate the people that come in that are good. Yeah. <laughs> or you could stay in a bad uh, mentality the whole day because of that one person. Like, what's, what's the better alternative here? Yeah. I have a gratitude board that I created one day and the aim was I put it on the back of my bedroom door to remind myself each day but I don't obviously interact with it as much as I should. So you think that like to get into it more, write it out each day or pick that one thing you're going to really focus on that thing? I don't think it's like, um, I think you could try anything yeah. really. If it's, if it's one thing, if it's three things... My meditation that I do, and like, again, we could talk about meditation, that's a whole other thing, but my meditation, I used to do guided, I, it's been an hour, now I do 15 minutes, I have no guided, it's just a timer, my body like kind of gets out of the state in 15 minutes, I go through gratitude, I go through, we're talking about it with Amanda, your state, like checking yourself of how am I feeling, what am I tasting, what am I hearing, what am I smelling, when we're on the floor before and we're going through um, that process, the guy was mowing the lawn, there was someone playing piano and I'm like... I'm hearing it, and it's like, just go away. Like, and we were talking about before when the voices come up, but it's like, whatever works for you, if guided works for you, if it doesn't, if writing it works for you, do that. If writing three things or thinking three things works for you, do that. 20 is a good place to start. Not going deep yet, but just 20 things every single day. If someone's never done gratitude and they do 20 every single day and they're consistent with it, they'll start to lift. Then you can go deeper on things. Do you think that... Um doing that one hour together is much better than groups and grabs throughout the day that make up the hour? Yeah. Yeah, if you have your, your first hour of the day and you can set up your mind um, to get in that attitude of gratitude, to embody the state you want to be in, to journal the things you want in your life for that day and for the future, um, and then if you can express gratitude and, and have that self-love, it's bringing everything together. How can you... You're setting yourself up to have the best day you can have. Yeah. I don't. Um, I only meditate and then go to bed. Um, but whatever works for you. Yeah. Again, like I was saying about the meditation and writing things, like how many gratitudes should I do? Whatever works for you. Mm. Because everyone's very different. Everyone's lifestyle is very different. Yeah. Awesome. Does anyone want to share their one thing? Mine's my mum. Yep. Why? Because she came down and looked after my kids today so I could be here. Beautiful. So, Very specific. I like that. Yeah, and I had three other kids, three other 10-year-olds that were there. So not only did she look after my kids, she looked after <laughs> other people's kids that I committed to. So, yeah, and that has the effect on me that I'm able to come and do this. So, you know, that's something for me. So I'm really, really appreciative of that. And then my kids get to spend time with her. Um, they they all uh, she does my kids they all say we don't see each other enough mm-hmm. um, and you know 
if the rest of the world could have that sort of relationship with their grandmother, their nanny, that just loves them so much that she'd drive wherever to look after them anytime with a whole bunch of other kids, then the world would be in a pretty good place. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. that I, I'm not going to critique it because it was, it was great. <laughs> awesome. I think I'm out of time. But, um, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And obviously, like, I think the key points that I got out of it for me was um, you can have multiple identities in your life, but you get to choose who you want to be and you get to create that. Um, we're all conscious. We're all consciousness. Consciousness is everything. We can craft the life we want to live. And that can start the first thing in your morning by a simple thing of just writing what you're grateful for and incorporating different things into your life. And then ask yourself those powerful questions because that's going to then shift you from where you are to where you want to be. So, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in on our conversation. Hopefully you've got some insights and values to raise your awareness. If you like the podcast, please like, share on social media, and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. I would really appreciate it. You can also keep up to date on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Uh, both handles are at The Conscious Podcast, and also my personal account, which is at Carlo underscore Cirillo. Until next time, take care and be nice.